Well, I invite you to take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is where we'll be looking this morning as we think about this subject of unconditional surrender. And I, I promise you I had no intention of that tying into anything about independence, and it has nothing to do with our declaration of independence. Uh, but uh, we're going to look rather from the life of Abraham this morning as we think about unconditional surrender. We have been moving through the book of Genesis for the past, uh, this is now seven weeks, that we have looked at a series of messages from this book that I I've titled In the Beginning, and how we see at the very outset when God created the world, He provided the opportunity for us to encounter Him and His goodness. And that's been our focus throughout this series is how we encounter the goodness of God in the book of Genesis. And so today we're going to continue to look at that idea specifically as it relates to a man by the name of Abraham. We've looked at his life the past few weeks, and we're going to look at it at least once more today. As we think about Abraham's life, throughout his life, his life seems to have been one test of his faith after another. There was a goal to that testing. The goal was to develop his faith. If you remember, we said, excuse me, last week, that the only way for our faith to grow, the only way for our faith to develop, to be strengthened, is for that faith to be tested. Think about it like this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, every time I stand up to pre, maybe it's the flowers, I don't know, that, that gives me the allergies, not the Rona. So uh, <clears throat> as we think about uh, Abraham, when God made this promise to him to give him a son in, in Genesis chapter 12, and Abraham responds in faith, why doesn't God give him that son nine months later? Why doesn't, when Abraham says, I'm going to follow you, why doesn't God immediately take him at that moment and transport him into the land of promise? Instead, what happens is that between the time that God makes a promise and the time that God fulfills that promise, there are some 30 years, 20, 30 years that pass between that time. There's a purpose in this. God was not just trying to take Abraham somewhere. He was trying to make Abraham into someone. He wasn't just trying to get Abraham somewhere. He was trying to make Abraham into someone. What God does in you, as you said last week, what God does in you is just as important as what God does through you. God doesn't want to just take you to heaven. God wants to put some of heaven in you. And here Abraham is... (coughs) Excuse me, by the time we get to Genesis 22, he comes across one of the the more well-known tests of his faith. Abraham and Sarah have had their miracle baby. They have named him Isaac, which means son of laughter. Abraham and Sarah are 100 years old when this boy is born, so we don't know. Maybe a better name for him would have been whatever meant son of crying. I don't know. I'm the baby in my family, and I came along. I was one of those blessings, those, whoop, there he is, uh, that was not planned. And uh, when I think when, when my mom and dad found out, they, they thought they were done, 
And when they found out I'd be coming along, my, my mama cried for a day and my daddy cried for a year, uh, I, I think is how that worked. But here uh, Abraham and Sarah are, time is now marched on, and Isaac is about 15, 16 years of age. When we get to our text, Genesis chapter 22, look at what it says in verse 1. And after these things, God tested Abraham, and God said to him, Abraham, And Abraham said, here I am. That phrase, here I am, (coughs) that's more than Abraham saying, hello God, it's me. That phrase, here I am, in in the Hebrew is a phrase that a a soldier would use when he was fighting. It's a phrase that means I stand ready for your command. This is a phrase of total and complete surrender. Abraham replied this way because he had complete and total trust in God. Abraham was totally surrendering himself to God. Look at verse 2. This is God speaking to Abraham, and he says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Isaac represented everything to Abraham. Think about it. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> My goodness. Has someone spiked the pulpit this morning? Abraham was, Isaac rather, was everything to Abraham. He represented everything to him. Their hopes, their dreams were wrapped up in this boy. And yet here God now calls him to offer this boy as a sacrifice. I want you to know something this morning. All of us have an Isaac in our life. It may not be a person. But there are Isaacs in our lives. There are things that we don't think we can live without. There are things that we look to to bring us hope and to bring us joy and to bring satisfaction to our lives. We all have Isaacs in our lives. Our text continues in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. The what day? So there are three days now that have taken place between the time that God has made this call to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the third day. Within, let's be honest, within three days, most of us would have talked ourselves out of this. You see, faith, true faith, <coughs> it isn't revealed just in your initial response. True faith is always revealed on the third day. You know, the initial response, it might require faith, but faith is revealed on the third day. Faith is revealed when we continue to do what it is that God has called us to do. So it says in verse 5, and that this verse is critical. Verse (coughs) 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to 
you. Okay, don't miss this. Abraham said, I and the boy. Now, had Abraham said, I'm going, that involves how many people? I'll give you a hint. That involves one person. But Abraham said, I and the boy. That involves how many people? Two. So Abraham said, I and the boy. Two of us, we're going to worship and we're going to come back. Abraham didn't say, I'm going to worship and I'll come back. Abraham said, no, me and the boy are going to worship and we'll come again to you. Abraham, don't miss this, Abraham was convinced that somehow they both were coming back. You see, God had made a promise that was yet to be fulfilled in Abraham's life. And Abraham did not know how that promise would work out, but he knew that God would work it out. That is called faith. And that applies to our lives as well, to understand there are promises that God has made in our lives. And we may not understand how God is going to complete it or how God is going to work it out, but we press believing he'll do so, that is called faith. And so it says in verse 6, that Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, son. He, Isaac, said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Maybe this is what Abraham's been doing for those three days. Maybe he's been reminding himself of the promises of God. Maybe he's recalling back in his mind to that covenant that was made. We looked at last week from Genesis chapter 15, that covenant where God took responsibility for both sides. What drove Abraham, catch this, What drove Abraham up that mountain was not the strength of his own character, but the character of God. Abraham, not once did Abraham said, I can do it, but rather he said, God will do it. God is faithful. What's going to drive you forward during difficult times? What's going to sustain you during the hardships that comes on those third days? It isn't the strength of your character. It is your faith in the steadfastness and the goodness and the promises of God. Verse 9, our story continues by saying, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. At this point, folks go, whoa, wait a minute. How could God command something like this? This is more than just a command to, to, to sacrifice Isaac. If sacrificing Isaac was the whole point of, the, of God's call here, Abraham could have done that in the tent. 
There is something deeper that is taking place here. The offering, you see in the Old Testament, the offering of the firstborn symbolized the debt that man owed to God. Throughout the Old Testament, God laid claim to the firstborn because the firstborn represented the very best and the very life of the person making the offering. In the Hebrew sacrificial system, it was God who required the firstborn of the cattle, the firstborn of the sheep to be sacrificed to him, the first fruits of the grain that would to be provided to him as an offering. If you remember back in the Exodus, it was that, that Passover, and that Passover, in order for the angel of death to pass over them, the, the blood of the firstborn of a lamb had to be placed on that doorframe. Otherwise, the firstborn of that household would die. In all of this, God was showing that there is a death that every family owes because of sin, and that debt goes to the very core of who we are, and that debt is costly. And Abraham is prepared to pay that debt, and with his knife raised in the air, we read in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him, and said, from heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham has passed, has passed the test of faith. He showed that there was nothing that he would not trust to God, and there was nowhere that he would not go with God. So verse 13 tells us that Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on that mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now in Hebrew literature, the name of a place is significant because what you name a place summarizes the significance of what happened there. Notice that Abraham does not name this place the place where Abraham obeyed. Instead, he named this place the Lord provides. You see, as impressive as the obedience of Abraham is, he recognized that there was something far greater and far more important being demonstrated here on this mountain, and that was God's commitment to him. You see, this narrative is not first and foremost about Abraham's commitment to God. It is about God's commitment to Abraham. See, did you catch how last week I just told you I had one point to the sermon? Catch how this week there's no point. You can say that the pastor had a pointless sermon, which may be true in most contexts. I don't have an outline for this one because I think that really there's, there's one central figure, and that is God in this narrative. As, as important as Abraham is, as, as needed as the sacrifice of Isaac and the willingness of, to do that was, the point is God's commitment. You see, when it's all said and done, when you look back over your life, the thing that will stand out is not your sacrifice to God, but his faithfulness to you. 
When you look back at your life, you will see the goodness of God, His commitment to you, not your commitment to Him. You know what's interesting? Is Mount Moriah, where this sacrifice takes place, those mountains were right outside Jerusalem. And most scholars believe that these mountains would be in the New Testament, in Jesus' time, the place where Calvary would have been. This drama between Abraham and Isaac unfolds on the very mountain hundreds of years later where Jesus would die. And their narrative, Abraham and Isaac, what a foreshadow of Jesus. Abraham and Isaac were committed to this sacrifice, and God the Father and God the Son were both committed to the cross. Centuries later, another one and only Son who was loved by his Father would walk up a mountain, and that Son would willingly crawl upon a piece of wood. This time, however, the knife of God's justice will not be stopped midair. Instead, the knife of God's judgment will cut through straight through the heart of Jesus. When Jesus walked up on that mountain, there was no substitute lamb there because he himself was the unblemished lamb who willingly stayed on the altar of the cross to receive justice for our sin. The experience of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah is a picture to us of the gospel. It teaches us that the gospel, that following Jesus isn't about how you must obey God. It's about how God has sacrificed for you. Jesus is the Son who obeyed perfectly, who died in your place so that you could go free if you will simply believe and receive this great gift of salvation. Did you notice how in this narrative three times Abraham says, here I am. Twice to God, once to God, once to the angel of God, so twice towards heaven and once toward his son. Here I am. I stand ready to do whatever you're calling me to do. That is Abraham's posture before God. I want to ask you this morning, is that your posture before God? Is your posture before God today one in which you are saying, here I am? Not to let God know what pew you're sitting on or where you're sitting at in your house but to let God know that you are ready to do whatever he's calling you to do today. Maybe for you that means that it's time to forsake your sin and to cling to Jesus, who has done the work, who's offered the sacrifice. And all that's left for us to do is simply to receive it. The way we receive it is through repentance of our sins and trusting Jesus for our salvation. Maybe God is identifying in your life an Isaac. It may not be a person. It may, it may, it may be a thing. It may be a status. 
but he's identified an, an Isaac in your life that you are not yet willing to place on the altar. You know, when you consider the commitment of God to you, sacrificing for him becomes easier. If he did not withhold from us his son, how can I withhold anything from him? What Isaac do you need to lay down on the altar today? I believe God can speak through the foolishness of preaching, even the coughing, stammering preaching of your pastor. Because I think God would use his Holy Spirit today to draw us to him. If you're here this morning, if you're watching us online, you never placed your faith in Jesus. If you'd like to do that today, we invite you simply to pray. To pray from right where you are and to call out and to ask God to save you from your sins in repentance and faith. Maybe you've got questions about what that looks like or there are other steps that you need to take. Here's how we want to kind of extend our invitation this morning. If you're here with us in the sanctuary, you can look at the pew in front of you. There's a yellow card there that talks about the next step that you can take. If you're at home, you can go to fbcmilton.org slash decision. Go to our home, our, our, our home page, our website, and there's a link. It should be front and center, a link for you to click to let us know the next step that you need to take. And you let us know that next step, and we want to pray with you through it. We want to walk alongside with you through it. We want to provide you with the ministries and the resources that you need to take that next step. If God could give his all for us, how can we withhold anything but our all to him? As we prepare to conclude our time of worship today, we want to be sure that you remember that uh, we, we continue to provide you each week with chances to engage in discipleship and worship. Uh, this coming Wednesday at 6 p.m. we'll have our midweek service and we have a group for adults that meet in here. Our children and preschoolers, they meet in another location. Our students meet as well and our young adults meet in a location as well. So if you are interested in that, please come at six on Wednesday and we'll get you plugged into one of those groups. And uh, next Sunday, we'll gather again at 1030 for our time of worship. As we do that, again, if you're our guest today or if you're visiting with us online, we are very thankful that you chose to uh, worship with us today. On your way out today, uh, our guest, if you would, just take that connect card and just drop that in the boxes on the way out today. We'd certainly appreciate that. And if you brought your offering to give today, you can do that as well. You can put that offering in the box on the way out to our members, or you can go online to fbcmilton.org slash giving, and you can give it that way as well. Uh, we're going to, at this time, uh, we're going to close in prayer, and after I pray, you will be dismissed. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have had today to gather together and to worship. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and that you would cause us to take the next step, whatever that next step can be. Thank you for meeting with us today. Go with us now as we go into this world. Help us to be your hands and feet. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.